one friend to another. Well, you really need to learn how to avoid spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> This is Diabolical, a comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Ben, and this week's movie is all-star action behemoth, The Expendables 2. So bury the trauma of casually killing hundreds of people for money with some cold beers and some light-hearted banter, and let's get Diabolical. Hello and welcome to the show. As usual, I'm here with three heartless mercenaries, otherwise known as the Panel of Peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us, if the movie of your life were an action film, what would it be called? And we'll start with the Cinemaster. Hello, Cinemaster here. If there was an action movie depicting my life, is infiltrating Adam Turner. Sounds pretty sexy. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, wait till you hear. It's like a bit of a synopsis. I'm a crack special forces operative and I've broken into some shit's, you know, lair. But then I've <laughs> suffered a huge injury. And then basically to retrieve the information from my brain, they have to send a special forces team shrank down into miniature. Into oh, my brain. Like in this space. In a space meets the expendables, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Love it. Exactly. And then Posh Spice walks in, and um, uh, before she can even do anything, her clothes have fallen off. <laughs> clothes have fallen off. She's exactly, scrambling yeah, to pick them up. <laughs> but it's too late. I've, I've seen. I've seen everything. <laughs> All right, Craig. Craig here. If the movie of my life was an action film, it would be called Asshole Horizontology. Sounds like a religion. <laughs> Good. Asshole horizontology. It's what Dr. Nick prescribes to Homer to to gain 500 pounds. Slow, steady process of gorging and asshole horizontology. I was thinking more about how a lot of my life is spent either sitting in an office chair or if I need a rest from sitting in an office chair, sitting in another chair. Yeah, a comfy chair. And sometimes driving, sitting in an uncomfortable chair, and then I need oh, when I get out of the car, I'm like, oh god, I'm tired now. <laughs> and you just sit down. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm tired of sitting all the time. Let's go sit down. <laughs> Gaz, I'm Gaz, and I have two for you. Ooh, I've got one that I've made up, and I've got a pre-existing film name that I just thought was quite funny. So the pre-existing film name is. A series of unfortunate events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Pretty good. Pretty like good. Yeah. And my made-up yep. one, hundred percent made-up one, is Pirates of the Gaz Caribbean. <laughs> Dead man's gaz chest. <laughs> You've already done that, haven't you? No, well, this is different. You see, because that was Captain Gaz Jack Sparrow, and this is <laughs> yeah. Pirates yeah. of the Gaz Caribbean. I see what you've done there. Yeah. Dead you've, man's you've, gaz's yeah. chest. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. 
I'd watch that. I think I prefer the first one because I know that your snicket is quite lemony. <laughs> uh, let's make an effort, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to go for a good man, but Steven Seagal had already taken it. So then I chose Sheep Impact. Sheep Impact. Is that yeah. a Welsh joke? Yeah, exactly. But it turns out Steven Seagal's already taken that one too. <laughs> so I finally settled on Maximum Ego. Mm. Uh, yeah, that kind yeah. of good, yeah. That sounds like a potential partridge yeah. uh, action film. Appropriately yeah, uh, named, yeah, Colossal Velocity, I was thinking about as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of other options I had was Minor Trouble in Large Japan and Escape from North Wales. <laughs> Later, we'll be competing to see who can come up with the most diabolical scheme and earn salacious peril points for the Season 4 leaderboard. But first, let's take a closer look at this week's movie. Boasting a cast that reads like a who's who of action legends, including, but not limited to, Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Yunnan, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, Terry Crews, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, and Jean-Claude Van motherfucking Damme. <laughs> 2000... What? Did you not hear me say including but not limited to? Let's, let's just read out the rest but... of the cast list. <laughs> 2012's The Expendables 2 is the ass-kicking sequel to the 2010 original and sees Stallone hand directorial duties to Simon West, best known for his work on Con Air and Lara Croft Tomb Raider. The film was a box office success, grossing over $315 million worldwide against a budget of $100 million, and was simultaneously praised for its daring action sequences and strong performances, and criticised for its over-the-top violence and lack of originality. The second instalment in the franchise sees the return of Barney Ross, played by Stallone, and his crack team of mercenaries, and this time, it's personal. Barney and co are hired to take on a seemingly routine job, but when one of them is killed by ruthless arms dealer Jean Villain, played by Van Damme, the Expendables set out for revenge, cutting a swath of destruction through Villain's forces and shutting down a threat big enough to shift the global balance of power, all in the nick of time. It's a brash, loud shoot-em-up that racks up body count and quite literally takes no prisoners. But does it capture the magic of 80s and 90s action classics, or... Is it a piece of shit? <laughs> Let's see what the panel thinks. Quake, after watching this movie, did you light up a celebratory stogie or did you bury your head in your hands and loudly chastise yourself for poor life choices? <laughs> I lit up a modest cigarello. Not quite a cigarette. Was it, was, Not was quite it a rolled stogie. on the thighs of a virgin? Yeah, I, I rolled it on my thighs. And, uh, <laughs> one of those slim cigars. Hamlet. There are bits of it that I absolutely loved, which we'll go into later. But I think on the whole, I thought it was kind of less fun than it should be. It didn't exceed the sum of its parts. It didn't live up to the sum of its parts. For a film with with all these great action stars in it, I kind of expected it to be more fun. That's what I thought when I watched the first one a while ago, and I didn't finish watching the first one. However, after watching the second one for the first time this week, I then immediately watched the third one, which I thought was a lot more fun. 
The villain is good in three. I'll say that. It's a shame it's Mel Gibson, but <laughs> Mel Gibson. Other than that, yeah, it's good enough. It's a fun sort of franchise, but it's not as much fun as it could be. And in terms of eighties action films and how to do them right, I think we've seen that with Top Gun Maverick and the the feelings that evoked in me. I was sitting there and I think I said aloud, "Wow, they don't make them like this anymore." And I didn't get that sense. Were you wearing a flat cap at the time? <laughs> and drinking half a pint of mild? <laughs> <laughs> it just, it was ma- it obviously made with a lot of modern filming techniques, but it had that sense of, you know, it, it was uh, filmed in a 80s action style. This didn't feel like it had much of a style of any kind to me. But as I said, some bits of it really stood out. So, yeah. It was okay. Yeah, I I see your point there. There are elements of this that I think work well and some, some that don't so much. But I do think it's an improvement on the first one. Mm. Is um, Liam Hemsworth even in the first one? No, he's a newbie in the second one. Yeah, it's a bit of a cheap setup, isn't it? They should have killed off somebody who mattered. Scoey! No! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, since you're uh, on the mic, Gaz, what did you think? Quite similar to Craig's thoughts. Like him, I also watched the third one the day after watching number two. Okay. My thoughts on the two are are quite similar. They're good, but nowhere near being great. I gave them both three stars on Letterboxd. For me, they should be funny. I think the scripts need a pass by a proper comedy writer. Someone like Trey Parker. Just give him a pass Hmm. to add some decent gags in. Yeah. You don't have to take the piss out of the action, but just have some genuinely funny jokes because particularly between Stallone and Statham, the dialogue is absolutely dire. <laughs> yeah, it is terrible. Yeah. The banter. Yeah, the banter is just, it's so bad. They struggled. They're not so bad, it's good. It's just like wincing mm. listening to them. Yeah. yeah. I kind of suspect Trey Parker would find it difficult not to uh, upset Mel Gibson. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he'd upset Stallone as well. Well, they're, they're friends, aren't they? Yeah. Simon West's direction, I, I don't rate him as a director at all. I think the only good film he's ever made is Con Air, and he had money thrown in his direction mm. by uh, Jerry Bruckheimer to make that. I think he's very, very bland. Yeah. TV director at best. Uh, I think that shows in the films he's done since as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean... <sighs> It, it is good. It's compelling enough that I instantly was like, yeah, I want to watch the third one. But right. I think it, it's just the star power that carries it over, I think, more, more mm. than anything. And they yeah. don't even make as much of the stars as they could. Like, they're clearly, particularly in number three, all filmed on separate days. And it really, really shows that they're, they're never yeah. in the same room together. Yeah, <laughs> It's not very artfully disguised like it is in, say, Avengers Infinity War where I think they were only on set together for like two days, and it's very well disguised. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely worth watching, and I'm glad I watched two and three, and I'm probably going to go and see four in the cinema, to be fair. And I imagine I'll say the same thing. It's like, yeah, it was all right. (laughs) (laughs) Which is my overall opinion. The thing about it not being funny, I think also ties into what I said about it not being fun. And what occurred to me watching the third one especially and I know this is kind of the point because this is his character, but it never feels like Sly is having fun making this. Whereas mm. when Schwarzenegger and Harrison Ford show up, 
I like her mm. because they mm. both look like they're having a blast. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like Schwarzenegger, especially, yeah. he's chomping on his stogie <laughs> and firing a massive gun and laughing at everything. Yeah. Harrison Ford, notoriously grumpy, looks like he's having the time of his life flying around <laughs> in that helicopter in, in the third one. Filmed entirely in close-up. Yeah, entirely in close-up. <laughs> I never get that sense from Stallone, ever. He just seems like he's as dour as his character. I think he's mm. trying to play it cool. Yeah. Well, you know, he's, his character's been through a lot. The things he's seen, Craig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, ooh. His eyes could talk. <laughs> his mouth could talk. <laughs> well... Expendables 2 is a film. It has good points, yes, but it also has bad points. But does this detract from it being a film I would watch? No, I think you find it doesn't. <laughs> right, let's move on. <laughs> so before I ask you for your highlights and favourite lines, we're going to play a little game I'm calling The Yippie Kai Yepody. <laughs> Thank you, Gaz. Uh. Thank you, Craig. <laughs> Thank you, Cinemaster. So this week, I'm shaking things up with a game that's similar but legally distinct from Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. What is Jeopardy? <laughs> oh, it's an American game show. Ah, no, that's just a joke about Jeopardy, man. I have several categories with questions related to The Expendables 2. You'll each get a chance to pick a category and answer a question. The categories are body count, legal troubles, no, seagull troubles. <laughs> no bad language, please. This is an action film. Phosphate rocks and all play. Gaz, could I ask you to pick a category? <laughs> I'm going to go with the one you remember for <laughs> phosphate rocks, please. Okay. The one you heard last. Yeah. <laughs> I can't fucking remember any of them now. <laughs> I will read them again, don't worry. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> so, Gaz, you'll get a chance to answer this first. If Gaz does not get it, Craig, Cinemaster, you may have a chance Ooh. to steal. Okay. Which member of the cast holds a master's degree in chemical engineering? Hmm. Well, now, I think Stallone's probably got his degree in art. I think Statham, if I remember, or maybe I'm just thinking of the Meg, but I think he has a degree in... Swimming? Marine biology. Do you want to answer right. the question or just those different <laughs> questions? <laughs> hang on, hang on. That's what Jeopardy is, isn't it? Yeah, you've, you've got to stretch out your answer. <laughs> That's the danger. That's the danger of Jeopardy. <laughs> so I'm going to say... That the answer is Jet Lee. And you, my friend, would be fucking wrong. Oh no. <laughs> no. In. Oh, okay. Craig. Who is Dolph Lundgren? Correct Ooh. answer. Yes. And that's why in the film his character Gunnar Jensen mentions he has a degree in chemical engineering. I remembered that. Lundgren wanted a, a little cheeky illusion to himself. That's not just a clever line. No, it was based on reality, oh, Cinemaster. Wow. Can you believe well, it? Well, who would have thought uh, this film would actually contain anything that actually resembled reality? Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, we're on you, Cinemaster. I'm going to ask yes. you to pick a category. Legal troubles, no seagull troubles. Very good. Oh, that's what my category I wanted. Oh, tough <sighs> shit. <laughs> 
So bulky egomaniac Steven Seagal was offered a role in the Expender sequel, but he turned it down. Why? Uh, he doesn't get along with one or more of the cast members. He's had a falling out with somebody. And uh, in an in interview, he wouldn't reveal who, but it's probably out there and you're probably going to tell us who it is. Exactly right. I'll give that to you. He refused to be in the same movie as the Muscles from Brussels, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Oh. Sylvester Stallone allegedly said, At a party in my home in Miami in 1997, Van Damme was tired of Seagull claiming he could kick his ass, so he offered him outside into the backyard. <laughs> Seagull made his excuses and left, but Van Damme, who was berserk, tracked him down to a nightclub and offered him out again. And uh, Stallone said Van Damme was too strong. Seagull wanted nothing of it. Mm. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Van Damme would kick his head in, surely. Steven Seagull. Fake hard man, isn't he? This slow motion kung fu, lightly tapping people on the shoulder and they go flying. Yeah. The guy's full mm. of shit. You know, he's, he says he's yeah. fluent in Japanese, but whenever he comes to Japan, he says like one word and then has a translator. So he's full of shit. Konnichiwa. <laughs> 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 so was his role written out or is that a role that someone else took? Joe, you know, I don't know, actually. I think they would have just shoehorned him in somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Standing on his own on a differently lit shop. Pretending that he's in the same room as them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Craig, we have body count. No bad language, please. This is an action film or all play. I'm going to go with all play. All right. So this is open to you all. I'm going to ask you. Oh, well, how... You didn't tell me that. <laughs> I want to call <laughs> all play. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> I want my it's own like fucking category. Name, Craig. That's stupid. It could have meant anything. <laughs> Right, give me fucking... You've never heard the phrase all play before. Yeah, I thought you were basing this on Jeopardy. It's nothing like Jeopardy. All right. Um, <laughs> I want to go with darts. I want to go with the category darts. Well, so it's linked. Would you like to go with body count? I'll go with body count. All right. Which character in Expendables 2 kills the most people? Ooh. Who is Jason Statham? I don't know his character. Oh, no, I do. Christmas. Yeah, Lee Christmas. Correct. Yeah, yes. of course he does. Would you like to hazard a guess as to how many? 27. 163. <laughs> Fuck me. Ooh, yeah. Not bad. He's very nonchalant about it all, isn't he? Yeah, he uses a big gun on the plane a few times, doesn't he? So takes out about 80 people on a bridge at one point, doesn't he? Pass me the yeah, big exactly. gun, Barney. And I think that he... If I remember rightly, he was a early COVID carrier and he infected loads of people. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll finish up with the all play. So you're all going to have a chance to guess. As we're on the topic of body count, how many kills were there in the entire movie? And the closest answer takes Ooh. it. 321. 769. Sexy number. <laughs> I'm going to go with 613. All right, well, the answer is... 489 <sighs> kills. Bullshit. Okay. That's quite a few. I'm mm. not sure who's closest quite there, if it's uh, Craig or the Cinemaster. Mm-hmm. Someone um, will work it out and we'll all have a good laugh about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll fly off. Well done, or commiserations. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that happened to you. <laughs> I'm glad that happened. Does anyone remember <laughs> how many kills Jean Villane, Jean-Claude Van Damme's character, got? One. Very good, Gaz. It was indeed one, which I was quite surprised to read. But when I thought about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. But what a kill. That was one of my highlights, actually. Yeah, it's very good. Kicking yeah. the knife into yeah. his chest. 
Yeah, great. Uh, that's incredible. Yeah. That's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to pick this film for that moment, and just just Jean Claude yeah. Van Damme as the villain. Yeah, he steals it. All right, so let's move on to our favourite moments. Cinemaster, I'm going to ask you to kick us off. Well, my favourite moment and favourite line is the joint. It's a combo. Economical. It's Arnie ripping off the door of the smart car and saying, I have shoes bigger than this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. He's the guy in the film who's having the most fun, like Craig said earlier. I think if they had all played it a bit more Arnie in this film, it would have been richer for doing so. Yeah, Yeah, I think you're right. The most fun thing with Arnie is in number three, where it turns out that he and Jet Li are a couple. Yeah. I just wish they'd done more with that. It's a really, it's a really good reveal. Yeah, but it's like, it's like ten seconds at the end in the bar. You just like, yeah. oh man, you could have done so much fucking good stuff with that. I guess while we're on you, what was your favourite moment? I've got a lot of lines, but not too many moments. I'm going to go with the end of the Jason Statham Scott Adkins fight, which. It's building like straight away. They're like snarling at each other like a couple of dogs, and you're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, they're going to be fighting at the end." And the conclusion is sort of an Indiana Jones homage. They're fighting in front of a propeller plane. Yeah, is it not a helicopter? Is it a helicopter? I thought it was a prop plane. Yes, yeah, helicopter. Yeah. yeah, is it? Yeah, but unlike yeah. Indiana Jones, where it cuts away and you don't see the impact of the blades on the body's head. You full on see Scott Adkins' head getting ripped the fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, it's brutal. In astonishing detail with no cut. It's very nicely done. Wonderful. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> it's interesting because there was a, a bit of a tug of war between studio wanting to give it a PG 13 rating and an R rating. Mm. And so, actually, mm. you may have noticed you know, whenever there was a, a shoot in or, or something, the blood was actually CG'd Green, in. Yeah. Oh, okay, CG'd yeah. in. Because they were yeah. dust squibs, the blood was added in post. It's CG in Rambo as well. I'm not sure why he did it in that, because it's an extraordinarily violent film. Yes. Yeah. And I was going to allude to this in, in one of the questions, but allegedly Chuck Norris refused to be in a film with a lot of swearing, so it's why you find there's not that much in the film. Oh, really? okay. Chuck Norris was one of the ones that was pushing for the PG-13 rating because he said that's what his fans mm. wanted. <laughs> his fan. Yeah. There's a bit of a backlash <laughs> from fans, and so kind of swung it the way of the R rating and then that's when they added in the blood. Mm. But that's why we also got to see Scott Adkins' head come off. Oh, it's nice. good. I love Scott Adkins. Yeah. He's, he's got an excellent YouTube series called The Art of Action where he talks to various co-stars and peers about their careers in action. So there's a really good two-part with Keanu Reeves because oh, well. yeah. Scott Adkins is killer in John Wick 4. Michael J. White is also an excellent two-parter. He played Spawn and he's Gamble in yeah. The Dark Knight. It's well worth a look, The Art of Action with Scott Adkins. Hmm. He's a lovely English lad. <laughs> is he? Oh, lovely. All right, Craig, what was your favourite moment? Easily the Jason Statham fight where he's disguised as a priest and then he kicks the shit out of all <laughs> Yeah, it's great, that fight, isn't it? That is a good, yeah, very good reveal. That line... 
by the power vested in me, I now pronounce you man, man and, knife. and knife. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> excellent, excellent line. Yes. That's a, a Simpsons level line, in fairness. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's another kind of punny line in it that I wrote down. It's not my favorite line, but I wrote it down because it was. I just found it really weird. It's a Bruce Willis one, I think. I think he's describing himself as male pattern badness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quite a pun. Quite a pun. That's quite a pun. So my favourite moment that hasn't been covered currently is probably when Chuck Norris turns up at the airport. That People get shot and everyone turns and they see Chuck Norris and he just gives a little nod. Just a, a little <laughs> casual nod. Yeah. The lone wolf's here. Don't you worry, guys. <laughs> Which later on is explained with a, a wonderful line as well. I thought you were a lone wolf. He goes, yeah, but sometimes it's fun to run with a pack. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Since we're uh, moving into the realm of lines, would you like to share your favorite? Craig? I heard you were bitten by a king cobra. Yeah. But after five oh, yeah. days of agonizing pain, <laughs> the cobra died. <laughs> Of all the Chuck Norris jokes, they picked one of the weaker ones. It's good. Oh, really? But yeah, it's. I think I think they could have uh, knocked it up a notch. Bam. What would you have gone with? I like the push-ups one. Chuck Norris is so tough when he does push-ups, the earth moves downwards. Yeah, (laughs) that's about the only one I can remember. If I'm being honest, (laughs) it'd be a very odd exchanger, wouldn't it? Yeah, I heard uh, when you do (laughs) push-ups. <laughs> he can crowbar it in. <laughs> he, he could literally just say, "Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey wolf, uh, done any push-ups lately?" Well, it's funny. You ask. <laughs> right, Gaz, what's your favourite line? I've got a lot written down. Yeah, me too. To be fair, so if you could come back to me after, that would be lovely. Mm-hmm. But the first one that made me have to pause it because I was laughing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the delivery more than anything. It's Sylvester Stallone to Terry Crews after the sequence where Crews is holding uh, the doors open from slamming closed so the, the, the bomb can be defused. And he just slaps Crews on the back and goes, you're strong. And that's it. <laughs> and I've written down, you're strong. Sums up Terry Crews' whole character, really. Uh, amazing. Cinemaster. Oh, I've already given you my, my favourite line and favourite sequence, but I would say uh, I've got a, a, my least favourite line, which is, the Liam Hemsworth monologue about being in Afghanistan. Delivered with all the panache of a sandwich technician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not great, is he? He's fucking terrible. Yeah, there's there's another bad line where it's an exchange between Hemsworth and, and Stallone. And Hemsworth says to him, you've got my respect forever. And Stallone goes, you've got my respect too. And it's like, oh, God. So I, a <laughs> shiver went down my spine yeah. how badly delivered it was. Just kill him, get his shit character out of the way, and then you stop delivering shit lines. <laughs> Probably his death wasn't in the script. They decided after they saw him active for the first few days and he yeah, just get him out of there. That's it, they thought, yeah, let's just write him out of the script straight away. Just change the plot of the whole movie. Kill him. <laughs> kill him. <laughs> and my favourite line is an exchange between Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. I'm almost out. I'll be back. You've been back enough. I'll be back. yippee ki 
Yeah. Yeah. Awful. That's a big groan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely awful. I've got a uh, least favourite line. Oh, yes, here we go. Oh, go on. It's just so stupid. Everything about it is stupid. The line, the delivery is terrible. It's when they take off the hood of the hostage at the start and it's Schwarzenegger and Stallone goes, Trench? Like he's not sure who it is. <laughs> he's incredulous. You know, Trench, how's Trench been caught by these guys? That's what he's thinking. Yeah, but he doesn't deliver it like that, does he? He just goes, Half of his face is paralysed. <laughs> what it was, when Stallone filmed his part of the scene, he didn't know if, if it was going to be Trench or not. So he's like, uh, I'm playing safe. Hedge my bed. Trench. They shot 12 different lines. Yeah. He does that with all the characters questioning who they are. That, that could have, It could have been Seagal, to be fair. Do I look like Trench? It's me. Um, what do you reckon Seagal's name would have been? Uh, fuck it. Uh, Crevice. <laughs> it's me, Dave Crevice. Crevice. <laughs> Dave Crevice. No, crevasse. It had to be uh, the American version of crevice. Crevasse. Everyone else would be saying crevice, but he'd have demanded it be crevasse. Yeah, you're right. No way he'd have Dave. It'd be called, like, fucking Akira Crevasse or something. (laughs) (laughs) Akira Crevasse. Right, guys, you mentioned you had a few more lines for us. What do you got? Okay, I've got in the, uh, the final battle in the mine, Chuck Norris turns up all of a sudden filmed on his own and Arnie sees him arriving and he quips who is next Rambo (laughs) what is going on Jesus Christ well that's the thing with this film it doesn't quite know where it is it's it's trying to be self-knowing at times but then it's trying to be deadly earnest at times it's really weird (laughs) I've got one more line my latest Garth Marenghi-esque line I think it's the final line in the film. Statham says to Sly, from one friend to another, you really should learn how to fight. And then they laugh and fist bump. (laughs) 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 It's not even a joke. Jesus Christ. (laughs) The only thing that's missing was a screen freeze. Statham wobbling and he's trying to hold the pose. <laughs> uh, and I'll just throw one more then since it hasn't been mentioned. It's Terry Crews to Schwarzenegger. Uh, Schwarzenegger's just asked for Terry Crews' gun and Terry Crews says, if I don't get this back, your ass is terminated. And Schwarzenegger but, just says, yeah. in your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great comeback. Yeah, like the fucking worst <laughs> forehead slapping comeback. Not likely. Yeah. All right. Just very quickly, we'll do this as a, as a quick fire thing. But in terms of fighting style, who was your favorite character? We'll start with Cinemaster. I particularly enjoyed the knife fight that Statham eventually got to do when he was dressed as a nun. I really liked that. I, <laughs> that was waiting for that whole the whole movie, basically. So, yeah, when he gets to unleash. How many knives do you reckon he's got about his person at any one time? Oh, Too many. I don't know. Depends if he likes cooking as well, doesn't he? Because if he wants to <laughs> kill people, that's one thing. But you're not going to use the same knife to gut somebody and then, you know, fillet a fish. Probably not. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's got to be pretty so. clanky, but heavy. I'd probably probably about eight. Yeah, but if you, if you got proper, you know, Japanese stainless steel, we all know with the edges that never dull. You, Sam? I love the bit yeah. in three where 
they're back at the bar after it all, and he and Snipes both, without looking, throw their knives at the dartboard. Yeah. And then they look, and they're both stuck in the bullseye, and, and then Snipes is just slowly falls out. It's <laughs> fucking so funny. <laughs> I love Snipes. He he lights up the third one. He's really good, and he yeah. should be in it more. Oh yeah. Well, he he was supposed to have Terry Crews's character actually, but he oh, wasn't really? available for the other ones. Yeah. Probably in prison. I would imagine at that time. I, I, yeah. yeah, I think there was yeah, some was uh, or some tax time, thing yeah, going on. Yeah. yeah. All right, Craig. Favorite character in terms of fighting style? A? Christmas, but since Turner's already taken that. Yeah. Villain, he's amazing. Uh, the roundhouse is incredible. Yeah, I was watching Van Damme in this, and I was thinking, how can a guy of his age still be doing this? I was thinking that with a lot of those characters, to be fair, <laughs> but not, but not in wonder. <laughs> but you can tell with some of them, it's body doubles. But with him, you can see him doing it all. To see him still kicking it in this was great. Uh, I was really impressed, and he acted circles around everyone else as well. Actually, he was great in this. I think if there's a if there was a good reason for me to pick this one, is that he was a really good villain. Well, that's why I picked it. And his name's Villain, which is hilarious. Villain, yeah. But funny thing, the director Simon West said that Jean Claude Van Damme was a very untraditional actor. Uh-huh. He wouldn't do anything in continuity. One minute he'd have the <laughs> knife in his left hand, the next he'd have it in his right. He'd be on one side of the room doing dialogue, and the next day he'd be on the other side. So the camera operators didn't know where he was going to be. They described it as sh- like shooting in the dark. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, which I think I think speaks to his character. I think it's, it's really nice. Yeah. I like Terry Crews, like just picking people up by the torso and slam them into poles. That's quite fun. Mm. Yeah. All right, guys. In terms of fighting style, who was your favourite? Sylvester Sloan boxing. There we go. Mm. Did you watch Rocky? <laughs> he, he boxes in all the expendable films. That's his fighting style. It's all jabs yeah, and enough. shots yeah. and ribs and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's great enough. that he does it. Yeah, his fight with Mel Gibson in the third one is really good. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is. Well, let's save the third one for when we yeah. do it. Eh? It's a lot of third right. one coverage in here. <laughs> all right, I've got a couple of personal questions for you. Craig, in your humble opinion, what food is sexier than crispy aromatic duck with plum sauce? God, now you're asking. Put me on the spot here. Quick fire I'm answer. Gonna say uh, <laughs> chips. You're, and you'd, you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> chips and mayo. Chips, gravy, and cheese. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Poutine. Very sexy. Gaz, yeah. do you consider yourself a lone wolf or do you prefer running with the pack? Oh, lone wolf. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Cinemaster. Yeah. How would you respond to someone who says to you, You want a man up? I'll man you up. Hey, I got something to stick up your ass. <laughs> Perfect. Ruthless arms dealer Jean Villain plans to sell a cachet of weapons-grade plutonium to the highest bidder, killing one of the expendables in order to find it and enslaving a village of workers to extract it. Gaz, what did you think of Villain's get-rich-quick scheme? I think it's, it's good in how he finds the plutonium, he sells the plutonium, like he's got the sale lined up, but just antagonising the expendables 
he must know who they are. Seems like he knows who they are. So why he would do that to the point where Barney is like, track him, find him, kill him. It's uh, really, really sloppy for someone who seems quite professional in every other aspect. He doesn't fly off the handle at any point. Yeah. He tells his henchman, Scott Adkins, like, this is what we need to do. We need to do this quick. And he's not an arsehole about it. He's just, he's nice and professional. But yeah, not not with the Expendables. Very unprofessional with the Expendables. So that's that's mm. his mistake. Mm. Agreed. All right, Craig, what did you think? I was going to say the exact same thing, and I was going to allude All to All right, that let's move well, on then. To uh... Cinemaster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Craig, that was a cheap shot. I mean, it's justified. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's got a, a really great setup, and he, for absolutely no reason, just kicks a hornet's nest at the start. Mm. If He, he didn't yeah. need, even need to approach them. He could have just left them completely alone. Yeah, very strange. Cinemaster. Anything to add? Well, yeah, I just think he's a bit of a cheapskate, isn't he? He's got all this money going flying in, isn't he? He's always said, oh, I'm going to sell it for, was it $5 million a kilo, I think he says. Yeah. So he's got shitloads of money. Doesn't even use his own knife. But he uses, (laughs) A, he uses slave labour, which is always a no-no. You always get a dodgy dodgy work (laughs) ethic for that, you know. You can never rely on slaves to do the same job as a good, well-paid individual. It's like they don't want to even be there. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, the work ethic is practically zero. So, you know... Clock watching, aren't they? They're probably getting (laughs) gruel a couple of times a day. It's not as if they had Pat Roach keeping an eye on them either. (laughs) No, exactly, yeah. Whipping them every so often and stuff like that. That would have been something. They just shot what a guy because he got tired, didn't he? They went, oh, you're tired, bang. Anybody else tired? Oh, okay. I just probably would have said yes and just got shot and got it over and done with. <laughs> then all his henchmen as well, they couldn't hit a barn door with a banjo, could they, with the fucking rifles? So, you know, <laughs> you, in the end, you will pay the price for being a cheapskate. Pay peanuts, get monkeys. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Something we could all live by there. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I, I'd agree with uh, with bits of what you've all said. The plan to, to find this abandoned plutonium and sell it is a good one. He's obviously very close to achieving his goal. But as you say, it's that kick in the hornet's nest has really come back and stung him in the ass. So mm. for that, he'll get six florets of broccoli. Mm-hmm. Plus mm-hmm. two mm-hmm. Brussels sprouts. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> two big fucking Brussels sprouts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before we move on to the competition round, we'd like to ask you to take a moment to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on the very platform you are listening on. It only takes a moment to make three middle-aged nerds happy, and I'll be quite pleased too. This is the part of the show where we compete to see who can come up with the best evil scheme to earn those most holy of holies, peril points for the diabolical leaderboard. We'll each share an alternative plan and vote for our favourite at the end. Jean Villain makes it all the way to the airport with his precious plutonium, but is foiled by the very people who are trying to foil him. <laughs> Cinemaster, what would you have done differently? Well, seeing as you've asked, I'll tell you. As Jean Villain and his henchmen make their escape with the stolen plutonium, 
The Expendables are hot on their trail. The chase leads them to an airport where the Expendables hope to intercept Villain's convoy and recover the dangerous cargo. How come the guys never give up? (laughs) Is that the voice you're going with? Yeah, that's the voice I'm going with. I am going completely, yeah, completely xenophobic here, baby. (laughs) I need to go home to make chocolates, drink a pint of Stella and talk Flemish to my Mm. wife. Thinks Jean as he sees the Expendables have beaten him to the airport. Maybe I have a surprise for them. Petty meters up my sleeve. <laughs> he signals a ginormous henchman who grabs a jerry can full of petrol and hurls it at the Expendables. As it flies through the air in classic slow motion style, Jean removes a pistol that shoots an incredibly bright projectile in times of an emergency from the glove box. As he takes aim, he mutters, I always did have a flair for this kind of thing. Kablamo! Jean fires the gun and it hits the jerry can as it flies over the expendables, covering them all in liquid fire. Shit. (laughs) It's all over their clothes, burning holes in them, and it has set the floor on fire, dissolving their shoes in flames. You will pay the price at shopping at an Armoury Surplus store. Those <laughs> boots haven't been tested to NATO standards. Heck, they wouldn't even pass mustard. <laughs> definitive standard, in my opinion. <laughs> With the fire serving as a distraction, Jean and his henchmen smash through the airport en route to the hangar where they can make good his escape. However... As he looks in his wing mirror, the Expendables are still coming, running barefoot towards the hangar, <laughs> horribly burnt and barefoot. He can barely believe his eyes. Commanding the truck to stop, he grabs something from the back and exits the truck. Bangs on the side for the driver to continue his journey, confident he can now face the dishevelled Expendables on his own. As the Expendables close in on him, shouting obscenities and cocking guns, etc., (laughs) Jean pulls two things out of his pockets. A big bag of salt in one hand, which he immediately launches towards his enemy. Salt flies everywhere, literally getting salt in their wounds. (sighs) Oh, it's a bad pain. They're not going anywhere. (laughs) Nope, they've had it, and they definitely can't reach the plane in time. However... In Jean's other hand is a tiny bit of plutonium. Now, what? Jean has read a lot of comics and knows about the superpowers contained in radioactive materials. So it's obviously a no-brainer. He pops the plutonium into his mouth and swallows. The effect's pretty much instantaneous. His muscles begin to pulse and swell. He doubles in size and gets laser eyes for some reason. The Expendables are buggered anyway, and Jean could simply walk away as they writhe in agony from the salt in their wounds. But he doesn't, because he's a baddie. That used to mean something. The baddie Jean inspires to be isn't full of half-arsed farewells and empty threats. No, he's a sadistic bugger. He goes back to finish off the Expendables in horrible ways. Ways that, I'm sure you'll understand... I cannot even begin to describe here, nor would I want to. (laughs) Needless to say, he has the last laugh, and eventually 
leaves unmolested on his plane with loads of plutonium and new superpowers. Sir Wheat. Well, I've just done a quick Google search of any superheroes who are powered by plutonium because I was Mm. suspicious. But I've actually Mm. found one called the Plutonium Man. So that checks out. Yeah. There you go. Thank you very much. He's based this on fact. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because initially I was thinking that that plutonium is heavily toxic and would cause cancers mm. and severe no, health no. issues, but that, that's yeah. not correct. It it makes you into um, a liquid metal robot made of plutonium with limitless shape shifting okay. abilities. Yeah. So the more you know, no wonder everybody's always after it. <laughs> yeah, well there you go. It must have been because uh, something he'd eaten that day or something that sort of gave him like laser eyes and big muscles and extra size or something Wait, he'd like eaten like a presentation pointer laser pointer <laughs> uh, maybe or or maybe something like with a crystal in it to focus like ah, he's been eating crystals you know. so oh oh salt salt crystals maybe. ah yeah yeah or a kyber crystal on my desk here i've got a desk lamp it's a uh uh-huh. it's shaped like a lamp post and hanging off it is the amazing spider-man and uh, yeah. he famously a superhero powered by the incredible effects of radiation. Bite of a radioactive spider, yeah. What happens eventually in his sad life is that his wife, <laughs> Mary Jane, uh, succumbs <laughs> to the effects of his radioactive jizz. And I'm going to put it to you <laughs> that far from having the last laugh, <laughs> poor old John Villan will eventually kill everyone he loves. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he probably will, but he's still happy he's got the plutonium though. Oh yeah, him. I guess that was his that was his main goal. Yeah, and before she died a horrible, painful death, she's probably had a good time. Yeah, so <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any other questions for the cinemaster, or are we satisfied? I was satisfied at the point where you put petrol on them and set them on fire. I so was I. To be yeah, fair, I, I thought... know. <laughs> yeah, I thought I could have stopped there, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I was going to do a Pokemon ending. Where he had, what he went to get in the back of the, the truck was a Pokeball, and then he threw it out, and it was a horrible. And it was one of the evil Pokemon, and then they attacked the, the Expendables and killed him, and he got away. But I thought it was a bit far fetched. Then you could have ended it. How do you get Pikachu on a plane? How Pokemon? Of course. Hey. But the Pokemon plan might come back at a later date. Don't you even steal it now? <laughs> well, I think that would be cultural appropriation, so I think I'd have to use it, so send it to me. Mm. No, well, you're saying you're Japanese, are you? Well, basically, I've lived here almost half my life now. Well, the last samurai. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let us move on to Craig's plan. Villan is not scared of Expendables 2, but because he is JCVD, he is self-aware. Villan is aware this is a movie, and he is aware he is the villain, and he knows what that generally means in movies. Villan has decided not to throw the fight this time, because he's just remembered that he's shagged Kylie, and he wants to live. (laughs) Villan remembers he is Street Fighter, so his guile intensifies. Villan remembers he is kickboxer, so his kickboxing skills ramp up. Villan remembers he is hard target, so his evasion gets sicker. 
Villan remembers he is Universal Soldier, so his healing factor and strength heat up, but not too much, because he may overheat. Villan remembers he is Cyborg, so he no longer wants to have sex with robots. Villan remembers he is Time Cop, so he is now able to travel back in time and murder Expendables 2 as a baby. But he doesn't want to, because that sounds like a slog. They were all born in different countries, and he's not Space Cop for pity's sake. Villan remembers he is Double Impact, and splits into twins, and then the twins realise they are Double Impact, and they split into twins, (laughs) until there are as many Double Impacts as Expendables 2s. Villans remember they are Predator, so they slip on their Red Lobster onesies. Villans are not invisible when Expendables 2 arrive, and Villans do not have shoulder-mounted laser cannons, but Expendables 2 are outnumbered one-to-one, and suitably freaked out, (laughs) so it is very, very easy for Villans to kick Expendables 2 to death. Finally, Villans travel forward in time to a point where they've already got the plutonium home and their tea is ready. <laughs> well, I must ask the first question, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Why have you read that like a Skeksy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chamberlain. That's what I, I thought I was going to the Chamberlain delivering this plan. <laughs> I just liked the idea that Expendables 2 was the name of the character, and I ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> just, Just... Boil it down to a a couple of sentences for me. You lost me a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Villan knows that he is Jean-Claude Van Damme, thanks to the film Ah. JCVD, Breaking the Fourth Wall. Hmm. And therefore, he has access to all of Jean-Claude Van Damme's character's powers, including time travel and the ability to be twins. But then also, he has the connection to his character from, is it Bloodsport? Or Kickboxer, where he's dancing in the bar. Right, he can do that if he wants. So why mm. why doesn't he just he decide? Oh, actually, I don't want to hurt these people. I just want a good time. And then he just starts clapping his hands and shaking his booty. Well, <laughs> he's not just that one personality, is he? And the the ones that want to do the other things overwhelm that one. He probably dances after he's finished his tea. Okay, burger, chips, and peas. <laughs> yeah, I think it all works except for maybe the time cop element. I like the dancing element. Very much, very much. Mm. Um, mm. Is there a multiverse element to this? Because that would make it very hip, very now, very wow. Sort of. It's it's more like the film that Jet Li and Jason Statham were in, The One, the one. where all of the Jean-Claude oh, yeah. Van Dams share the power of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. And this iteration of him is able to harness it all. Okay, okay. Or kind of like everything everywhere all at once. That kind of happens in that as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to poo-poo it too much because I might also have multiple Jean-Claude Van Dams, but in a much more sensual way. (laughs) Well, the science tracks for me. It's uh, all scientifically sound, peer-reviewed. Yeah. Cinemaster, you've been very quiet on this plan. I I could see what he was trying to do from the beginning. So I thought it was like, yeah, uh, like a last action hero type thing where... The, the actor is the different all these different roles, but he sort of bring them all together into one big job. So I big can job. I can see where he's gone. <laughs> big job, big jobby. <laughs> yes, um, s- slightly odd delivery, but 
we can cast those shit like this all the time, and you don't give him this. Osmos data is is better than ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to hear that nonsense, please go back and listen to our thirteenth episode, <laughs> Star Trek Two: The Wrath of John Khan. Khan. <laughs> Well, I just have one final comment here, Craig, and that is how many of those characters that Jean-Claude Van Damme has played are good guys? Let's see. So, he's not good per se. He's definitely bad. He's bad. He's grey. He's <laughs> not too... He's all right. He's not bad. That, that one. That one's very bad. <laughs> I'd say roughly 49% of them. Okay. So enough for a, a good t- mental tug of war. Yeah. Enough that I, he had the ability to go back and kill them as a baby, but he convinced himself that would be too much work. But really, part of him was probably thinking, oh, don't know. I don't okay. want to do that. I'd rather dance. But also, it, this is the Diabolical Podcast. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Very good. Well, if there are no further yeah. questions... Yeah. We shall move on to Gaza's plan. Following our murder of the boring Hemsworth brother, we clock that the Expendables have a rather large plane that is likely prone to over-encumbrance. We also clock that Sly was pretty aggravated by our murder of the nondescript Hemsworth brother. He'll be after us, no doubt. First thing to be done when we get back is to inform the henchmen that the plutonium needs to be ready in two days. I know that Sly and the lads won't be too far behind and will find us within three days. (laughs) Next, we place telephone calls to the various buyers of the plutonium asking them if they would be so good as to collect the merchandise from us rather than we deliver to them. We reason with them that we don't have the funds to fuel enough vehicles with enough fuel until payment has been received and we cross our heart and swear to die that we won't simply ambush them and steal the money. Be here in two days, we say. Finally, we order a welcome mat for the entrance to our base from Amazon on next day delivery. Except, instead of saying the word welcome, the mat says, please remove shoes. As everyone knows, the law of welcome mats is sacrosanct and must be obeyed no matter what. In two days' time, the various buyers of the plutonium turn up and exchange us money for the goods. The transaction is absolutely textbook and goes off without a hitch. We're a batch of crazy rich Europeans now, baby. Subsequently, the following day, when those expendables arrive in their comically massive plane, we put up no resistance. The keys are slotted into each of our gang's individual Harrier jump jets, which we ordered from Amazon on next day delivery, and we're ready to escape. (laughs) The Expendables, as they are not under attack, do not come in all guns blazing and do not smash straight into the open mine. They land safely and remove their shoes at the front door as the matters instructed them to do. Of course, we're all hiding, tittering away as Sly and the boys mill about looking for any signs of life or plutonium. As they do their search, Scott Adkins pours rapid drying lead into their shoes that they've left by the entrance and we play the waiting game. No need to resort to hungry, hungry hippos here as the lead dries within minutes, leaving us ready to make our move. We hop into the Harrier jump jets and shout, Chase us boys if you have the stones! As we fly off at high speed, we can just about make out the following. 
the Expendables running back to their plane, putting their now lead-lined shoes on and struggling to take off due to their vehicle being over-encumbered. They naturally stand zero chance of catching us in our superior jets. I mean, what are they going to do? Throw away their shoes? I don't think so, somehow. (laughs) Well, I've just had a look on Amazon and I think you know what I'm going to say. I don't think that you can get on Prime, a welcome mat that says take off your shoes. <laughs> I reckon you can get personalisable welcome mats. Personalisable, yeah. Say whatever you want to say. Yeah. I mean, you could just um, paint it on if you're in the rush. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, I got a real question. Mm-hmm. How does one wear one's shoes after one's shoes have been filled with quick-drying lead? Uh, with some panache. Surely one can no longer get one's feet into them. Uh, Not. If you wear shoes that are too big for you, yes, that and you change the definition of fill <laughs> <laughs> to fill it. Um, I was gonna say that perhaps the lead burns into the sole of the shoe itself, so it burns the rubber away and sits neatly where the sole once was. I see. Did you know that, like, that a few years ago, I think it was the US were getting rid of a lot of their Harry jump jets for very cheap. So mm. it's not completely beyond the realms of possibility that you could quite easily buy a you know a Harry jump jet. Next day delivery, yeah. I mean, yeah. that yeah. wasn't the issue I had with it, to be fair. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the main point is over encumbering their plane because that's what happens during the opening sequence with the jet skis and then they have to offload them mm. to take off. But they're not going to yeah. throw away their shoes, are they? See, so you, you're positing that eight pairs of lead-lined shoes are the same as two jet skis uh, in weight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Talking to me like I'm an idiot, man. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. you got my respect forever. <laughs> would anyone like to delve any further into Gaza's murky world? No, I I've got it. Right. I've, uh, I've I've so far I've I I like elements from both plans. I didn't ask for an update, Gaz. Well, you got one, Gaz. Yes. If you were to be asked one question, hmm. one question that would just completely destroy your plan, what would it be? What would it be? Seems like you can't think of one, so it must be pretty solid. Perhaps it really is foolproof. <laughs> All right. I did a good think. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> All right, well, then I will bring us home. Hand over the box and I'll give you back the boy, says Villain, in a voice dripping in vile, villainous villainy. Like in the film, Lee Christmas hands the box to Villain and the Sangs. But unlike the film... Villain decides that Billy the Kid is worth more to him alive. For now, at least. He gets the Expendables to lay on the floor, as in the film, but then he gathers their weapons and makes his escape with the box and the boy. Villain knows full well that murderer for money with a heart of gold, Barney Ross, will try to rescue Billy. In fact, he's counting on it. And when he does, Villain will have a surprise for him. Upon arrival at the abandoned mine, Villain orders the Sangs to round up the villagers to extract the plutonium, 
as in the film. He then strides off with Billy in tow to meet the small elite squad of Sangs he had sent out on a very special mission the second he'd retrieved the black box. The squad is waiting in a dusty, disused canteen. A fragile figure is tied to a chair, a burlap sack over his head. Is this him? Villain approaches the figure. A burly henchman nods. Villain tears off the sack. Celebrity hypnotist Paul McKenna, we meet at last, says Villain. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Your tapes did wonders for my self-confidence. McKenna tries to say something, but the words seem to catch in his throat. An incomprehensible gurgle dribbles from his lips. I have a job for you, Villain continues. Succeed and I will make you the richest hypnotist the world has ever seen. Refuse and I will make you the most in tiny pieces hypnotist the world has ever seen. I will put you in a meat grinder feet first and I will use the resulting mince as a greasing agent to strum my own personal saucisson de Ardennes. Then I will do the same to every living member of your family, followed by the dead ones. McKenna's ratty, tear-stained face breaks into a smile as he nods agreement. Perfect. Villain explains his request to McKenna, then orders him to start work immediately. McKenna guarantees that Billy will receive all the benefits of an intensive course available for purchase on paulmckenna.com. That's paulmckenna.com. <laughs> Villain takes a mental, then physical note of the URL and leaves. It doesn't take long for McKenna to work out how impressionable Billy is. And when he learns that the sniper is grieving the death of his army buddies, McKenna knows he has him. McKenna begins to brainwash Billy using a combination of hypnosis and psychological manipulation. Billy is quite quickly, but very, very surely turned against the Expendables. He begins to believe that Villain is the good guy, and that Barney and co. are in fact responsible for the death of his army buddies. He even believes that if he sacrifices himself in the name of Jean Villain, he will be transported to a paradise with 47 virgin Jean Villains and an unlimited <laughs> supply of massage oils, including, but not limited to, vanilla, lavender, chamomile, and ylang-ylang. Quality. When the Expendables finally reach the abandoned mine, they find Billy locked up in the canteen. They break down the door and call out to him. Billy walks towards the group. Barney keeps his gun raised, but Billy's easy smile is disarming. Quite literally in this case. As he reaches the group, Billy's jacket slips open to reveal a bomb strapped to his ample pink breast. Billy, no! <laughs> Screams Barney. No expression of any kind on his seemingly dead face. <laughs> but it's too late. Billy detonates the bomb and the expendables are vaporised. Jean Villain then easily sells the plutonium and Paul McKenna fulfills his dream of becoming the richest hypnotist in the world. As for Billy, let's just say he's currently slick to the touch, nestled snugly between Jean Villain's 31 and 32. <laughs> Any questions for me? <laughs> I've got another question for Gaz. <laughs> Shoot. I'd, I'd like to, I would like to deflect any attention from my plans and go for it. it. <laughs> I forgot to ask you, in your plan, hmm. part of it was just to get the plutonium faster, right? 
Yeah. How? <laughs> the way that he does in the film, he, he gets it within three days, which is too fast. So I reckon uh, his little henchman would easily just be like, yeah, fine. He'll do whatever he tells him to do, won't he? He'll spin kick them until that plutonium is mined as hard as it possibly can be. I see. Could you imagine saying no to Jean Villain if he asked you to speed up? I can't. You get shot like that fella who said he was tired. What kind of bomb vest does Billy have? Oh, one of those like dynamite ones with like wires, curly wires. <laughs> yeah. I think they're, they're quite noticeable, aren't they? Yeah, so, but especially not with, to seasoned army guys. Not with a jacket. It's, it's a nice not with jacket. A jacket. Yeah. It's a puffer jacket. <laughs> <laughs> a gilet, if you will. Uh, what, is, what is this, Billy? Fashion week? <laughs> <laughs> when does Villain recognise that the expendables are actually more trouble than he initially thinks? So the Expendables, are, they're a well-known mercenary group. So Villain already kind of, he already knows of them. Mm-hmm. They're in similar circles to him. Yeah. But in the film, he, he has like a laissez-faire kind of approach to managing them, doesn't he? Yeah, but that's fucking stupid. So I've solved that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. When does Paul McKenna learn how to brainwash? Because I've, I've seen his show and I know he can make somebody say that they're a chicken. But, uh... Yeah, he can do that. But he, he can also he, he can help you confidence, he can help you quit smoking, he can help you lose weight, he can do all sorts. That's that true, guy is like a does... wizard of hypnotism, paulmckenna.com. Does do a fake stop smoking tape that a lot of people have bought and pretended that worked. So These days you don't even need a tape, it's all digital, to be honest. Yeah. paulmckenna.com, go check it out gang. <laughs> Alright, yeah. no more questions? Yeah. 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 No. Let's move on to the vote. <laughs> Holy hackneyed ideas. Some truly diabolical schemes there. Now it's time to vote for our favourite. As a reminder, we had the Cinemasters Jean-Claude Plutonium Man Dam. We had Craig's JCVD Multiverse, Gaz's Heavy Shoe Hoodoo, and my, the old Van Dam McKenna 1-2. Remember, each vote is worth exactly one point for the leaderboard come on gang no more but certainly oh, no, less. no less uh it's so. becoming a really good catchphrase that good yeah <laughs> getting slicker cinemaster could you share your vote please i have voted for ben yay <laughs> that's you ben could you share your vote please <laughs> i have voted for <laughs> Was Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> He's drawing a funny little winky doing we or jizz. But not both. <laughs> and Gwaz, could you share your vote, please? I am Gwaz, and I have voted for the Cinemaster. Ooh. Oh. oh. And Craig, who have you voted for? My vote is for Das Kinofuhrer. <laughs> Very nice. I only know Very what Kino good. means because um, the Beatles stayed in uh, Bambi Kino when they played Ham- Hamburg for the first time. So I filmed in uh, Kino in Western Fancy once. It was quite good. <laughs> <laughs> that was excellent. All right, Gaz, 
What has that done to the diabolical leaderboard? We have a slight change to the leaderboard. In first place with eight points is Cray. In second place with seven points is the Cinemaster. In third place with six points is Gwaz. And in fourth place with <laughs> three points is Ben. Ooh. All right. Well, I'm, I'm coming to get you guys. I am coming to get you. It's close to the top. It is. Craig, I'll make you next week's host. That means oh, you have the you. honor of choosing next week's film. Take a moment to reflect and choose wisely, my friend. Then tell us, what will we be watching? The film we'll be watching next week is Jaws. So we're going to have to put our minds inside of a shark, which I think Gaz probably could do fairly easily. No, the shark is not the villain. The villain is the mayor slash mayor. Oh, it's going to be a hell of an episode. We're going to be arguing (laughs) how to say mayor for the whole episode. Yeah. Well, that's it for another episode. I said that's it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform of choice so you never miss an episode. But most importantly, leave us that all-important review and tell your friends about us. Word of mouth really is the something, something, something. For more nonsense throughout the week, follow us on all the social medias at Diabolical Pod. Join us next time when we'll be delving into big shark biopic, Jaws. And remember, if I don't get this back, your ass is terminated. With the fire serving as a distraction, Jean is Henman smash. Henman? <laughs> yeah, Tim Henman. Tiger Tim. <laughs> he's getting married, but he's having one last fling. <laughs> yeah. Very good. <laughs>